Dreamcast. I am your host, Denise Walsh. I combine science, scripture, and stories that will inspire you to dive deep, break through your own personal glass ceiling, and design a life of your dreams. Are you overworked, overstressed, and overwhelmed? You want life to be different, but you don't even know how to get there. Man, oh man, I lived there myself. And in my experience with working with thousands of people from all walks of life, there is one simple thing that holds so many of us back, a lack of time management. We may know what we want, but we often don't know how to get there and don't feel like we can add one more thing into our already busy day. And that's exactly why I created the Dream Life Action Planner. It's a 90-day inspired game plan that will give you total clarity on your greatest priorities and skyrocket your productivity on the tasks that matter most. And now, for a limited time, you can get your own copy for free. And when you go to denisewalsh.com slash action, Denise Walsh, D-E-N-I-S-E-W-A-L-S-H dot com slash action, A-C-T-I-O-N. Put your information in and we will send this action planner directly to your inbox so you can set your goals, reprioritize your calendar and design your dream life today. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to the Dreamcast. I am super excited to connect with you guys today. In fact, we are live on Facebook. So uh, this is super special. We're live on Facebook. We're going to be able to enter or interact with our Facebook listeners. But then I'm also going to upload the audio to the podcast Dreamcast, um, I believe, on Friday. And so you're going to, you know, if you're on Facebook, definitely check out the podcast because we don't do this very often. If you're on the podcast, definitely check out Facebook because, hey, let's connect on all mediums. <laughs> but without further ado, I am really excited to connect with our author today. As a young man, he was lost and depressed. He says he was running 100 miles per hour in the wrong direction. And by 28, he had ruined every area of his life, and it seemed like his story was over. Now, I have to tell you, if you meet him today, you will never know this piece of his story, which is why I'm so excited that he wrote this book for you to understand and see true like 180 transformation. It's amazing. He was honestly ready to end it all. Um, fortunately, this wasn't the end, but honestly, a new beginning. And through important relationships um, in meeting the Lord and in developing a strong faith, he knows he was made for more and is excited to invite so many of us on this journey with him. So big Dreamcast, welcome to Chad Kaneller. Thank you so much, Denise, and thank you for inviting me on here. You know, I just recently had this uh, epiphany, I guess you could say, because I recently turned 45 in July. And when I look back on my life, I see like every 15 years, this dramatic shift, what I would call a, a new chapter. So uh, for me, the first 15 years was pretty typical. I mean, it was uh, I was a, a good student. I was a good son, um, got good grades in school. And I uh, like sports. I was a wrestler and, and did those kinds of things. And then at, at age 15, is when I think I, I started uh, partying. I had some friends that, you know, parents had alcohol around and I'd stay at their house and, 
and we'd end up drinking. And, and by the age 17, 18, I just couldn't have any fun without alcohol. And then I went right into the military at age 18 and they teach you how to party even more there. And I ended up in, in Germany where there's no age limit. So you can imagine, you know, that we, uh, just, it was crazy. And then I got out of the military and went to college. And now I was introduced to a whole new, I guess you could say a whole nother level of uh, partying with, with drugs and, and stuff. And I just wanted to sing in rock bands and be a rock star. And I just started going down that path. And by the, by age, like, like I, you just shared my late twenties, I was just a mess. And, uh, some of my people who I aspired to be like had died by age 30. There, there's actually a club called the 27 club and it's all these people like Jim Morrison and Kurt Cobain and these uh, other musicians that all died at age 27. So I thought that was me and I thought I don't have many days left. I better make them count. And so it was oh rough. Goodness. It was rough and it was just well, a tough Well, I have to say, part. yeah, okay. Well, I have to say, because when I met you, the first time I saw Chad, you guys, he was on stage and he's quoting Jim Rohn, who I had no idea who that was at the time. And he's talking about success. You know, he's talking about, about living the dream. He's talking about, you know, he's somebody that people want to follow. And so I had no idea that you spent 30 years uh, in the wrong direction where you were not just drinking like college days, but like hardcore bars, rock and roll, like live, you know what I mean? Like living it up in, in that realm. Can you tell me a little bit about how, even though you were doing, you know, you were, you were, you were living your rock and roll dreams, but yet you weren't satisfied inside. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because now I look back and I see it so clearly, I see how I was sowing the seeds of destruction in my own life. Mm. But at the time, my dream at the time was I wanted to be a rock and roll star. And this was pretty much the decade of the nineties. So from about 95 to 2000, I was singing in bands pretty regularly. 1999, I was with a band. We put a CD out and I so remember you pulling had made up. It. Like you were doing what you wanted to do. Yeah, I was, it was just a matter of, of going on a bigger scale. I mean, I, I remember a day, uh, we did a show and we signed autographs for a whole hour. And I thought, oh, my gosh, we are almost there. And another day, my song was on the radio, one, one of the songs that we wrote. And I looked over at a stoplight and some guy I'd never seen he was, had the windows down, was playing the same song really loud. And he was all into it. And I thought, this is what's going to happen. And at the time, I thought I was on the right track. But now looking back, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad I didn't. My, my ultimate dreams didn't come true because I've been able to. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting how when you're going down a path, like you mentioned, your seeds, seeds are being planted, whether it's a good path or whether it's a negative path, you're planting seeds. When did you hit that rock bottom of like, okay, I cannot live like this anymore? Well, there was a couple, a couple different rock bottoms. Hey buddy. <laughs> so my first one, I think was when I had a 15 year old brother that died in, uh, April 30th of 1999. And so that was, that was rough. I was already in a depressed state. I'd gone through a, a relationship breakup and, you know, so that was of course tough. And then my, my, that happened within our family. So trying to walk out of that and the way I handled it wasn't a good way. The way I handled it was I was angry. I was really angry at God for that happening. And I just, uh, had, you know, sunk deeper into it, into a depression and, and, 
that was a couple couple rough years. And then in I'll never forget my sister's birthday, October twenty second, two thousand one, was a, a defining moment for me because a guy walked into my life. That was my I'd gotten a call from my sister and she said, Hey, will you come out for my birthday? So I said, Okay. And then when I got there, she said, Hey, you remember Ryan? And it was a friend of hers, it was an ex boyfriend of hers, and he had moved to California, gotten involved in a network marketing business, and then he um brought back his mentor with him to Illinois to talk to everybody on this list he'd made. And my, my sister and myself weren't even on the list, but we were at the right place at the right time. So I got to meet this guy named Josh and this guy, Josh, just, he just had this excitement about life. He had this joy. He showed me a little bit about his business on a napkin and I got excited about it. And he said, if you'll come with me this weekend to this training, I will rent the hotel room. I'll pay for your ticket. I'll do everything. And I remember thinking, oh, I want to go, but my band has a show. And so I can't, but I felt like I need to go. So I went back to my band and I said, hey, can the guitar player just sing for this one show? I need to go to this. And going to that in 2001 was a, a game changer for me. And it just got me going on the right path. And this guy became my mentor. He had a uh, gotten in trouble with, with drugs in the past, kind of like me. And he'd uh, uh, been in gangs and actually ended up going and spending time in jail, but he came out of jail and he went from making $9 an hour to six figures in a network marketing company. So, and, and he really took an interest in me and he came in and every month flying from California to Illinois and just mentoring me and mentoring our team. And, and I started to come out that that was the, the initial coming out of the bottom that was in 2001 and then of course 2003 i was at a show with the band i was in and i met my wife and man once i met her it was just a whirlwind and life just took you know it just started changing even even more at that point so mm. it was uh it was just yeah it was crazy all right. So you hit rock bottom, which I think in order to make a massive pivot, we all have times in our life where you just go, OK, I can't live like this anymore. All right. This ha something has to give. And your brother passed away. I mean, there's just several big moments in your life, which you describe in detail in your book of when you said, OK, I can't, something has got to give. And you and you make this massive pivot. But you also talk about the importance of mentorship and really reaching out and asking for help and finding people who are like who you want to be and then going to hang out with them. And Josh wasn't just the successful guy. Like he had a past similar to yours. And so you could relate to him and you could say, okay, if he can do it, I can do it. And like we say, success is an identity process. And I think that that's really important that Josh not just showed up in your life because he probably showed up in a lot of people's lives, but you saw yourself in him. You saw something in him that you said, okay, I can do that too. And in fact, this is, you have 10 keys to living in an extraordinary life. And this is key to believing in others and paying it forward is a key to happiness. Tell me a bit more about how the mentors in your life helped you through this transition. It's so crazy because I, you know, I, I hear all the time, I hear people say, believe in others because some people can't believe in themselves. So we have to, to believe in people until they can believe in themselves. And I've seen that happen in my life multiple times. So, uh, you know, I mentioned Josh and just the, the fact that Josh was was speaking not who I was. He wasn't speaking to me in, in the, about who I was, but who I could be and where he saw me going. And I wanted to rise to those expectations. I've heard that uh, expectation is invitation. And so, you know, just that. So just that that seed, how that changed everything for me. And another point in my life, I was a, a soldier in the army and I was at this training 
And this, this sergeant said, hey, um, I want you to share about the Army values for five minutes. So I, I did. And later he pulled me to the side and he said, have you ever considered becoming an officer? Because you just shared that like an officer would. And I think you're officer material. And I thought, wow, I didn't think I was officer material until that moment. And I had that little seed planted in me. And so I recognized that through other people. And now I'm, I'm, uh, I love to plant that seed in other people and then to water it and then to watch it grow and watch men change and watch people change. Cause it's just, it's, it makes you happy. You know, it's just, it brings joy into your life when you're able to help other people, especially I think even more so when you really can't get anything in return and you know, you're just helping them out. And it's just, it, it feels good. And I think it's just a instrumental part of, you know, selfless selflessness and, and, um, servant leadership. And that's, that's kind of the model that ultimately leads. And the funny thing is, Denise, is that we are kind of wired as human beings to be selfish, you know, even think about little kids, you know, I want that. I want that. I want that. It's just natural. It's our, it's our default mode is to be selfish. So we have to learn these things. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm a lifetime learner. You know, I, I should have my construction hat on right now because I'm always under construction as I think we all should be, you know, and someone told me when you're finished learning, you're finished and I don't ever want to be finished. So I just want to keep going and, and, and learning more and, and how I can be a better person, and how I can add more value to people's lives. And so many people have added value to my life. And so to pay it forward and to believe in others, it's just it's a great thing to be able to do. So I'm going to read this key one more Oh, I missed I missed the page. Um, believe in others before they believe in themselves. And I can picture you as this like teenager, you know, young 20s kind of, you know, rock band, staying up late, um, you know, wait, sleeping in. I mean, doing the, the, the drugs and the, all of I mean, your identity was not of that as an officer. And, and again, this could have been years later, but it's interesting because you think of you didn't view yourself that way. Yet somebody spoke that into you and it planted a seed and your identity started to change. How did the seed that was planted in you start to change the way you think about yourself, start to change your actions, the way you viewed the world and you like grew into the belief that they sowed? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And it was a big deal because I had to learn to that I wasn't defined by party guy. You know, I wasn't defined by Chad, the rock star, and I could reinvent myself anytime I wanted. I mean, it's an amazing thing as a human being, we can decide tomorrow, we're going to be a whole other person over the next three to five years. And so obviously the, the fruit, the, the effects of me living that lifestyle for through the nineties meant that I had thousands of dollars in fines and I got to go spend a couple weeks in jail. And, you know, you hit a point, I think, and maybe it's just maturity. You, you hear that, uh, you know, sometimes wisdom comes with age and sometimes age comes all by itself. Well, in my circumstances, I was almost 30 and age kept coming, but there was no wisdom. And so I realized that I had to change. If I wanted things to change, then I had to change. And so I started to look for ways to change. And when Jerry and I got together, it was just two months into our relationship. We found out we were going to be parents. And I thought, oh, my gosh, what chance does my child have? Like, I need help. My wife needs help. And we need it fast. So we wanted to get around people. And we just started talking with each other. Who, who's good parents? You know, let's look around and, and, and how could we measure what a good parent is? You know, let's, who, has, who has children that uh, 
haven't walked the paths that we've walked, you know, who has children that are, that are successful at a young age and, and they're wise and let's get around those kinds of people. So we started seeking out mentors and seeking out parents that had successful kids, you know, and, and I remember going to a, a, my first wedding where I found out that the, the bride had never even kissed a man her entire life. And I'm thinking, wow, I didn't even think that was even possible anymore, you know, and to start to start realizing that, that I could be whatever parent I wanted, as good of a parent, as good of a husband as I wanted to be. So I don't know if that exactly answers your question, but. Well, it does. I mean, you you started to see that there are other options. You took 100 percent responsibility for life right now. And then you sought out people that had what you wanted or had a life that you wanted to emulate. And you went and hung out with them. And I think that so many times we are just going about (laughs) we're not taking that ownership and then choosing to be different. And like you said, in three to five years, life can be totally in a different place. But it starts today. Right. Yes, it does. Now, one other um, key that you mentioned is you said that be more concerned with your character than your reputation, because your character is what you really are, while your reputation is merely what others think you are. Tell me a little bit about how that shifted for you over those years as well. Well, it's interesting because because growing up, I always, I was kind of taught and I always kind of thought that we had to hide the darkness and just present ourselves in this way, you know, where we would have a good reputation, you know, where people would think well of us and think we had it all together. And I think that in general, I think that's what society teaches, you know, to, to present ourselves as we've got it all together. Everything's fine. And what's interesting is when I met my, uh, my, my wife, again, she was a whole different person. She's like fully transparent, you know, Hey, what you see is what you get. What I'm thinking is what I'm saying. And I'm like, Whoa, this was such a drastic difference from what I was used to. But when I look at the biblical model and I look at this concept of always bringing the darkness into the light and that light and darkness can't be in the same place at the same time, I started to realize. And, and when I was young, when, when you're worried too much about re- your reputation, You know, you spend all this time trying to be someone you're not trying to act like someone you're not hiding all these different types of things. And it's just it's very tiresome. Right. So I learned that I just could be myself and just understand what good attributes and have good values and good philosophies and start trying to live a better life and be a better person. And then just let my character speak for itself. You know, and the last thing I'll mention on this topic is. I heard many years ago that time will promote you or expose you. And I learned that myself over time. I was exposed, you know, as a young man, many times for for the way that I lived. And then now over the last decade or so, I've been promoted in amazing ways. And it's because I've worried more about my character and developing my character than being concerned about what others think of me or, or looking at my reputation. Mm. Oh my gosh. You guys are going to need to listen to this, like rewind it and listen to it a couple of times. So many amazing nuggets, but you're right. When we are focused on our character, it's this internal integrity that matches the outside. Right. And if, if you don't have that and you feel like you're hiding or lying or presenting a front, you don't feel good. I mean, you feel restless and your gut is all eh, and you just don't feel authentic. So it sounds like living in character is really truly under like self-awareness. Who am I? Who do I want to be? And then living out those principles. Now, one thing you mentioned is that every 15 years you're in 
in a different, like making a pivot, you're growing, you're changing. You mentioned the first 15 years. Tell me about the second 15 years or the next 15 years. So the next 15, so the first 15 was, you know, pretty, pretty good. It was just typical. I had good parents, you know, they did the best that they could. And I felt like I did good things. And then the next 15 was just this whirlwind of, oh my God, just, just living on the edge and being reckless and taking crazy risks and living like a crazy person and really being surprised I made it through that next 15 years. And I can see now looking back that, you know, the, the devil's plan for me at 15 was just to wipe me out with drugs and alcohol. And, and it came, you know, I felt like there's multiple times where, where he's close to doing that. And then I meet jury literally when I'm 30, right? So now we're going into the, the third set, I guess you could say of 15 years. And I decided to go back into the military. I was in the army for three years outside of high school. Hey buddy, how you doing? I'll be back out in a little bit. Okay. And so the, the, uh, the next 15 years I, I met jury and I decided to go back in the military and it's, it, that's an interesting story. I saw a guy walking down the road and I thought, I'll just go in here and see if I could join the reserves and make a little bit of extra money on the side. Cause I enjoyed it. And it was an amazing recruiter. And he basically talked to us and Drew's like, let's just go full time. It sounds like a great adventure. So he, okay. did, his job. <laughs> <laughs> he did his job. Yeah. He, he did a good job. And so I'm, I'm back in the military and, you know, we moved from Illinois to North Carolina, starting a new family. We found an amazing church and we just dove head first into that church. And within a few years, I, I'm going to Brazil on my first missions trip. Dre and I are both on the worship team. We're just like growing like crazy under the, the leadership of this church. And it was a life changing season for us over that four or five years. And, and then the military and things changed in the military. And we ended up out here and, and I thought I was going to do the army for 20 years. And then at the beginning of 2012, I was committed to 10 more years. And by the end of 2012, I couldn't get out of the military fast enough just because God was moving and he was at once again, changing our season, changing our direction. And that's, you know, that wasn't just another upgrade, I guess, in our lives. So it's, it's mm. just been an awesome journey. Mm. You know, you've done a few things. You've reached out, asked for help. You've immersed yourself with the mentors and in situations that where you, where you can learn and grow, which again, I think says a lot about you because Josh could have shown up to anybody and they wouldn't have grabbed a hold of him like you did. And a lot of people move with the military, but they don't necessarily dive into the church locally that they could really grow and thrive in. And you chose to do that. And you've also, you, you, you reinvented yourself over and over and over again. One key you said is that always getting your hopes up is a key to happiness. Now, after 15 years of like not experiencing, like experiencing maybe disappointment, betrayal, um, frustration, resentment, a lot of the negative stuff. How tell me about this, getting your hopes up. How do people do that and why is it important? Well, in my situation, I felt like I had no other choice, honestly, because when my younger brother in 1999, when he passed away, I just remember the first words that came out of my mouth was it should have been me because I thought I had been already depressed and contemplating that myself. And for the next few years, I I really felt trapped in my life because I, I saw what my parents went through and I thought there's no way I can take myself out because it'll take my parents out and I don't want to take them out. And so I felt trapped living a life that I didn't want to live. So it it really ultimately drove me to my knees. And it, and it was shortly before I met Jerry. And I just remember on my knees just praying, God, if you're real, I need you. I need you to show up in my life because I can't do it on my own anymore. And I just remember that was a, a powerful, powerful day. And then, you know, shortly after that, Jerry came. But 
the great thing about life, and I see it all through stories, right? People's stories are all through the Bible is that there is always, always hope. And it could be, it could be tomorrow that someone right now could be in the worst situation that they've ever been in their entire life. And tomorrow something crazy awesome could happen that just turns it all around. And that's how it was in my case. And I I know a lot of people that have had the same thing. So if someone's listening here and watching this and just feel desperate and, and just feel like there's no hope, there's always, always hope. And it could just be one night's sleep away, one phone call away, one friend away, one time getting down on your knees. You know, we just did our men's retreat this weekend, and one guy shared that he was in a hotel room with a gun to his head. And he said, Lord, if you're, if you're real, I need you to take this gun out of my hand. And his, he threw the gun down. He felt God's real presence, and it turned his life around from that day. And he's never, ever been the same. So I just know that same I know that's available for everybody, for mm-hmm. me and you and everybody that we know and everybody we don't know. And there's always hope. And, and whoever first said, you know, don't get your hopes up. I hate that. I hate that phrase. I think that's so horrible if we and I, and I get the intent, you know, for some people is I don't want my my kids or my friends to be let down when when this dream they have doesn't work. So don't get your hopes up. But what I say is always get your hopes up. Always have your hopes up. Always believe I mean, we are heirs to a king. So we've we've already won. You know, mm-hmm. we've 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 won. The victory is ours. So have your hopes up and expectation is invitation. So we have to expect amazing things to happen in our lives. Expect miracles every day and miracles happen. I mean, I'm I see miracles happen, multiple miracles every single year in my life, and I'm just like, wow, everybody needs to experience this. Yeah. Once you once you've gone through your own transformation, it you really do want to shout it from the rooftops. And Chad, you are with this book and we'll get into kind of the the why you decided to go like to write it and the process and all of that. But in order to emotionally get from a place where you're like everything is going wrong to a place of always expect the best. There's some healing, right? It typically isn't overnight or a flip of the switch or else we'd all be doing it. Um, there's some healing. We've got to forgive. We've got to let go. We've got to accept the past and learn from it, but keep our eyes on the today and, and the future. And you say betrayal is what someone does to you and bitterness is what you do to yourself. I love that quote. Tell me a little bit about what that means to you. Well, I think we live in a world where it's so easy for us to blame other people for everything bad that happens to us. And we don't want to take responsibility. You know, you hear people say like things like you make me mad or this makes me this. And it's like we just wake up and and walk around through life waiting for something to make us feel happy or make us feel sad. And, and, And we give away all the power when it's up to someone else and our emotions are dependent on, on someone else instead of waking up and choosing, you know, choosing that, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to be joyful today, no matter what happens, you know, no matter if it's rainy outside or sunny outside, or someone calls me some kind of crazy name, or they cut me off in traffic, no matter what happens, I'm making a decision today, you know, to, to be joyful because we have that power. And I think when we realize that when we take responsibility for where we are in life and we take responsibility for our actions and our choices, it's very, very empowering. And so bitterness is a choice. And I mean, the thing is, is we can we can let that go. All that is, is someone who betrayed you or upset you having that power over you. And so to get our power back, we can choose to release them 
and not to trust them right away. I believe in, in trusting people in increments, right? But we can release them. And man, there's just something about letting that, that weight fall off your shoulders when you just decide to forgive someone, even though they don't deserve to be forgiven. Because ultimately, I mean, especially as Christians, you know, if we we're forgiven all the time, right? I mean, we, we, we're sinners and we ask God for forgiveness. He automatically forgives us. So how can we ask for forgiveness and expect it, but then not forgive other people? So I think it's just something that we have to do. And it's not for their benefit. It's for our benefit to forgive other people. So, and it took me a long time to learn that, but it's just, it's like, you know, you have, I've, I felt like I had so much pressure and weight and there's storm cloud over my head for a decade. And just to learn these little small things, you know, and it, and it just comes in waves, you know? And again, I've got my construction hat on right now. I'm still under construction. I'm excited about the direction we're going, but now I know that seeking wisdom and seeking truth and and finding mentors and being aware of, of who's influencing me and who's in my circle and, and that sort of thing. It's all very, very important. Mm, absolutely. And, you know, bitterness can it it gets into your heart and then it can bleed into all other areas. So if you're experiencing bitterness or resentment in one area, you could be at work and mad about the world when it really has nothing to do with that. And so what we've learned is that forgiveness is the ultimate freedom for forgiveness of yourself, forgiveness of others. So that way you can truly move forward and view the world differently. And um and you've done that. And when you when you've experienced that, you feel a sense of freedom that I mean, like you said, like it was heavy. <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to create your dreams when it's like heavy, but you forgave and it's lighter. And now you're you're clear and focused and you're doing some amazing things. So I know you just had your made for more retreat men's retreat with about 80 men there. Tell us about what work you're doing now and what your vision is with finding happy. Well, you know, I can't remember what the scripture is. One of the guys talked about it this weekend, and it talked about being an ex expert builder of people. And I never heard that before. And I just thought, wow, that's what I want to be. You know, I want to be an expert builder of people and not not just one area and like like businesses, an area that, you know, we focus on, but building building people as parents, building people as spouses, building people as friends and and not just teaching them so that they can just be the recipient, but teaching people to teach in that, in that duplication. Because when I look at the biblical model, I mean, that's, you know, Jesus was the best network marketer ever, right? He picked his 12 and his 12 went to like the 70 and the 70 went to the world. And so teach one to teach one. And, you know, that's what, that's just uh, what I love to do, what I feel called to do. And this weekend was so incredible because we had 80, 80 guys there and we just ended up uh, having, getting into some real conversations with some real men talking about some things that would, you know, change their lives and not just their lives, but their relationships with their wives and their kids. And one of my friends there had a 16 year old there and a 16 year old got baptized. And I think we had eight guys get baptized in the dirty, muddy pond. Right. And it was just so neat. And just to watch the weekend unfold and just to watch how people were transformed. And, and that's what I'm about. I'm about helping people and transforming people and just bridging the gap between where people, their reality, where they are now, where they want to go. And along the way, helping them to understand how they can release the chains, you know, how they can squash their self-imposed limitations and how they can just become clean and moving into the new season of their life. Hmm. If you guys want finding happy, go to finding com and tell us a little bit about why this specific book was born. 
So a couple of reasons. One is I remember a few years ago, my grandma was getting ready to pass away and my dad, I wasn't there, but my dad was at her bedside. He said, mom, before you go, do you have anything, you know, any, any words of advice or anything you want to share with me? And she didn't have anything. And I was like, man, I was like, I, I, I have a lot. <laughs> you know, I've learned a lot and I was like, I want to share it. And I thought I need to, I need to get, I need to condense it, you know, cause I can't just say here, kids, here's read these 50 books, you know, and go through my nine journals that I have from churches, you know, different stuff like that. So I'm like, I want to write something for my kids. That's the best of the best condensed of what I've learned. That's been valuable to me. And so I started out to do that. And then I thought, what, what if I wrote a book that would have helped me when I was 20? What if there was a way I would have understood to start changing my life much earlier than, you know, 32, 35. And I st so I started in the context of that writing, okay, I want a book that's, that can be passed on from, to my kids, to their kids, to their kids. that will help them understand some truths, understand why they need to do these things, the why behind it, how they can be happy. And at the same time, have a tool, you know, the tech, this is really kind of like covert evangelism, right? Because it's a tool and we all know people who, who are miserable. And I think, no matter if you're a Christian, an atheist or whatever background you have, I think we all have a common desire to be happy. So if I can find someone who's not happy and I can say, hey, read this book, it'll help you be happy. They're probably going to read it. And along the way, you know, it just opens the door for, for God to come in and, and speak into their life. And it's just a, a tool to help bridge that gap. And so that's kind of why, why it was born. And uh, I'm just excited to, to see what, where all it goes and who it can help. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you guys go to findinghappybook.com. It is an amazing read. It, you can read it in just a week or two. I mean, it's a, a quick read. I have tons underlined, tons I went back to as I was preparing for this and saying, all right, what are my most favorite things? And I had to like pick some because there were so many gems in this book. So Chad, you know, I think a lot of times people will experience something and then they just keep moving on. And one thing that I've loved about you is that you experience it, you grow, and then you immediately want to help somebody else who may be going through the same thing. And, and, you know, you are made for this. You are made for this. You connect with your team, you connect with our company, and now you get to connect with the world. Whew. So congratulations um, for saying yes to the calling, even though sometimes we don't understand the journey and we are like going in blindly. <laughs> I know it can feel like, but you've asked for mentors, you've asked for help, you've reached out, you keep growing. And, you know, year later you have your your book and I know this is just the beginning for you so for anybody listening who is in that spot where they're like okay I can relate to Chad when he was ages 15 through 30 like I'm in this rut and I know life is better but I don't really know how to get there um, what advice or wisdom would you share with them right now you know, I go back to my, you know, I quote it a few times in the book. And, and the bottom line is, if you will change, then everything will change for you. And that's the only way it's going to happen is we have to try, you know, the, the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result. So if we want our circumstances to change and our life to change and our conditions to change, it all starts by us changing and then everything else starts to change. So that's what I would tell them.
Mm, mic drop, mic drop. Well, you guys, if you're listening and something is stirred within you, go to findinghappybook.com. Share this in your team pages. Share this um, within your social medias. And and then this is also going to be uploaded on the Dreamcast on Friday if you know that's your preferred medium of learning. But thank you so much, Chad, for being with us today. And I'm excited to partner with you on this journey. Thank you, Denise. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. I want to hear your aha moment from today's amazing episode. If you could leave a review at whatever podcast player you choose to listen from, Apple Podcast, CastBox, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're listening from, leave a review and share with us your favorite part of today's episode. Thanks for hanging out. And remember to dream big.